0: Right on. Good to see you guys. Some of you guys are excited to be here to worship Jesus today? Good, good. We have a majority. Okay. <clears throat> that's always important. It's always important. we got to have like a critical mass. Critical mass. Well, that's where we're going today, guys. We are a church that we love. We love God. Uh, we are followers of Jesus. We want to apply God's word to our life. Um, not just in the easy times, but in the difficult times. How many of you guys know that we're walking through some difficult times right now? I mean, of you guys know that, you know, even in our nation, we're, we're dealing with some very challenging times, right? And um, there are things that are happening and more things that will happen that create mandates um, that, you know, we're, we're going to have to wrestle with. And we've got to figure out what to do. Um, and that's why I thought <clears throat> that it would be important as we start out the year to talk about the most important mandates, which are mandates found in God's word. These mandates, when we apply them to our life they're the kind of mandates that have the opportunity to bring life to us. And so I, what I would like to do today is uh, I'd like to have a little heart-to-heart with you, <clears throat> if we can do that. And so I thought I might, uh, I might comfort the blow of a few things that we're going to share if I just sat down. I've, I've, heard, I've heard that communication skills, that when the communicator sits down, it kind of makes people kind of relax a little bit. And, um, and so I thought, I'm going pr- to try that on you guys, because... We're going to have a little heart-to-heart today. Um, I want to pull back the veil, and I want to talk about what's going on in our nation right now. I want to talk a little bit about what is happening with the transfer of uh, political power in our nation, but I don't want to just talk about it. I want, to, I want to get to answering the questions that I know that many of you are asking right now, and if you're not asking them, your friends are asking them, what is the biblical response to what's going on in our nation What's, what has been going on, what is happening, and the transfer of power that's going to happen. What, what is the church supposed to do in this moment? And what is a person who calls themselves a Christ follower supposed to do in this moment? And I know that there are ideas of what we're supposed to do, and there are emotions, and there are feelings that have definitely been, you know, coursing around inside of you. Some of you, from the one extreme of, well, man, let's take up arms and have a civil war to another side that says, let's just love people in Jesus' name. But today, it's less about what my opinion is, it's more about what God's opinion is. And today, the real answers if we're going to discover what we're supposed to do are found in God's word, not in your opinion. So today, can I just ask you to do something with me? Can I just ask you to put the seatbelt on that holds you firmly in your seat so that when you are slightly offended or completely offended, By anything that's said today, that you'll just stay in your seat and take in the whole meal today and not just get, you know, repulsed by the fact that broccoli showed up on the plate (laughs) and you didn't like it, right? Because whether I give you my personal opinion or we talk about God's opinion, either way we go, you're still gonna be slightly offended and you're not gonna like it. It's just who we are as a people. But God does have a solution for us in what's happening in today's world. I've heard a lot of anxiety within the church. Not just our church, but within the Capital C Church. Uh, I've heard a lot of people saying things like, well, look, Jeff, uh, the election was stolen. Or, Jeff, there's a civil war that's going to come because of this. Or, you know, Jeff, we're just going to become a socialistic government. Jeff, we're going to not just lose some freedoms, we're going to lose all freedoms. You know, they're all going to disappear. Or I've heard, you know, even in other sources that you know, hey, look, did you hear that they want conservatives to, that, to be reprogrammed? Have you heard those kind of things? <clears throat> and I would say to you, yes, I've heard all of that. I've heard all of it. Well, doesn't it, doesn't it cause fear and anxiety? No. Doesn't it cause you to want to lash out and do something violent? No, it doesn't either. Does it make you want to go protest? No, it doesn't. Does it make you want to go break into some kind of a, you know, government building? No. Does it make me want to eat another meal? Yes. <laughs> but all joking aside, because there is really no joking in what we're gonna talking about, I've, I've heard all of that. Well, man, have you heard about these private businesses that are clamping down on people's ability to express their own opinions, such as Facebook and Twitter and Google and YouTube and their parent company, Alphabet, right, and Amazon? Yeah, I've heard about all of that. But what are you, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to do something about it? No, we're going to keep using Facebook at the church to the best ability to present the gospel of Jesus Christ until they decide to shut down the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the approach we're going to take, right? And I just, I I look at the recent protests on our nation and my heart is, is like anguished over it because here we have lost some of our very own American cities, citizens, at our own Capitol building. That's ridiculous. And now we've got more military troops deployed to our capital in our nation than collectively combined troops deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan right now. And I just look at that and I go, what is the church supposed to do in this season? And more, more personally, what is a believer supposed to do in this season? Because I'm gonna tell you right now, If you think of what we're going through is difficult, this is easy compared to what's going to come. And I'm not projecting anything that will happen in the next year, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying biblically we know that the days in which we live in don't necessarily get easier, They they could get harder. They could get more difficult. So if you're wrestling with what is your response now, then you will really wrestle with what your response is in the future. So why not address it now? Why not get a good, clear, biblical understanding of how a believer is supposed to behave and live their life now so that you're biblically accurate no matter what comes? And as your pastor, I want to help you with that. That's why I say you got to put your seatbelt on because this is not going to be the easiest sermon. And there's going to be things that are said that you're just going to have to remind yourself, I do love God. I do love God. I want to follow God. So let's go to God's word. When we look at these difficult times, we're going, to, we're going to preach out of a passage found in 1 Peter chapter 2. It's going to be our anchor passage. Take a look at it with me on the screen. It says, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or basically his officials that he has appointed. For the king on this earth has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will though that you that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. There's a lot. There's a lot that was just said in that passage. That one passage, along with Romans chapter 13, gives us a biblical mandate on what our lives are really supposed to look like as we live here on this earth, and as we live here in America, or you can live anywhere else on the planet, by the way, and this passage of scripture still applies to your life. It first started out and it said this, you're supposed to honor how, how, how much of human authority? All. Someone say all. All. All human authority. That means those with little titles and those with big titles. In fact, the the passage kicked right in to talking about that person that has the biggest title, the king, the president. It jumped right to the top. And then it went down to basically his minions, the people that he sends out to do his work. It goes all the way down to your manager, to your supervisor, to the business owner that you work for. It's all human authority. And it says something very interesting. It says, how are you supposed to honor them? Are you supposed to just grid it up and just you know, do the right thing? No, it says to do it for the sake of the Lord. For the Lord's sake, honor all human authority. That when we honor all human authority, when we bless, when we pray for those who think differently than us, who sit on a different side of a political aisle than us, who have a a different agenda than, than you might have, that we are to do that by honoring them as unto the Lord. It is a worship unto the Lord that we do that. Why is that though? The reason for that is that Romans 13 tells us that all authority comes from God. Every single authority, whether you like it or you don't like it, comes from God, period. And this is what Romans 13 goes on to say about the issue in verse two. It says, so anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has what? Instituted. And they will be punished. We think that when we rebel against or opinionated against and verbally attack leaders that we don't like and slam people that we don't think, you know, are godly and they're in positions of leadership or that, you know, we rebel against them in whatever fashion, whether it's in words, it's in heart, or it's in deeds, Right, We think that we are somehow punishing them, but God's saying to us, when you're attacking leaders uh, that are human that I've put there, by the way, which all of them God says I've put there, that you're not attacking them, you're attacking me. And in, and in that return, who's the one who ends up getting punished? Well, God clearly said in his word, it's not my opinion, God said that we will be the ones that are punished. The one you're trying to punish with your own ideas and your own deeds backfires. It like boomerangs and comes right back on you. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not a very good place to be with God. That's not how we want to live. What we do need to understand is this. All authority, all human authority will have to give an account for the way that they lead before God. Romans chapter 13 drives that home for us. It actually says that those who are serving in government are serving unto the Lord. That's exactly what it says. And it's not talking about people that love Jesus. It's talking about, you know, people that worship other gods, people that have a low esteem for humanity, people that have no respect for God, people that denounce Jesus Christ, God says, because I'm the one who put them in positions of authority and leadership, they are doing it as unto me. Therefore, they will give an account for their life. Now, we do know this, that in scripture, it clearly says that the pastor, that the spiritual leader, it says, be careful, don't aspire to be a spiritual leader, because not only will you give an account for your life, but you will give an account for how you lead. Well, I want you to know today that 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 is not just talking about pastors, although it was there. God goes on and he says this throughout scripture, like we're looking at right now. He says, no, I just want you to know that's not just for pastors. That's for all human authority. So if you're a supervisor, you're a business owner, right? You're a shift leader, you oversee people. You're not going to just give an account for yourself. You will give an account before God for the way that you led your life and the way that you impacted others. Now let that sink in just for a minute. See, that's why in the end, God says to us, it's not your place to attack them. In the end, I am the judge, God says. And I will judge all persons in all authority positions. So here's what we should do. Take care of your own self. Because one day you'll stand before God and have to give an account for the way that you led your life. But here's the good news in this passage of scripture that we're looking at. And there is some amazingly good news. And it's kind of crazy, actually. But God says this, if if you'll live your life respecting all human authority as worship for my sake, as glory unto me, I will use it for my good in you and through you. I don't know if you caught it in that passage of 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, but take a look with me at verse 15, what it said. It said, it is God's will. How many of you guys know that when it's God's will, no one's going to thwart it? You guys understand that, right? You guys understand that when it's God's will, there's nothing man can do to stop it. So it's God's will, unstoppable, that your honorable lives, say honorable lives, should silence those ignorant people. That's totally politically incorrect. I can't believe that God's word would even say that. Just joking, by the way. It would silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. I mean, we live in a nation right now where there are some extreme foolish accusations that are being made towards a biblical mindset. And you might feel the anxiety of that. You might feel the attitude of retaliating against that. That's the the world we live in. God says it's not your place to retaliate, it's your place to live an honorable life. And that when you live an honorable life, watch what God says he'll do. I will silence the voice of those who have no idea what they're talking about who are accusing you. And when you look at the word silencing their voice, it's removing their voice. See, our role is not to, as Christians, to rebel against human authority to kick them out. Our place is to honor the Lord and to live honorable lives on this earth. And then God works the miracle of shutting the mouth of those who are your accusers. That's what God does. We think that's our role. We think our role is we're smart enough and we're tough enough and we're brave enough that we'll show them, we'll shut their mouth. No, God says every time you do that, it's like a boomerang effect coming back on you. Our role is to live an honorable life. So what does an honorable life look like so that God can work a miracle that silences the voice of those who foolishly accuse you? What does that look like? What does an honorable life look like? An honorable life would be one that's not just lived to, to glorify God. That's only part of the equation. It's not just lived to, you know, honor those who think like you no that's just part of the equation it's not just to live your life in such a way that would honor those who look like you that's part of the equation it's only it's, it's not just to honor those you know who are on the same political side of the aisle as you no that's just part of the equation an honorable life both honors God and watch this all mankind even if they think differently than you even if they behave differently than you And think about it, an honorable life is a life that lives above reproach that does good for both God and all of mankind. Sheesh, that almost seems impossible. Does it feel impossible? It's okay to be honest. It feels impossible. In fact, I would probably say this, that all of us sitting in this room at one point or another in the last couple of weeks or so have probably crossed that honorable line in the way we think. In the words that we've said, in our, you know, so-called gospel complaining to one another, complaining about those in leadership. You see what I'm saying? Like we've crossed the line, and we will cross the line again in the future. But the important thing is to be reminded and to be, you know, convicted of God. Help me to live an honorable life before you, so that I can play my part on your team. That's our role in honoring authority on this earth. That's your goal. If you fulfill that goal, all of God's authority is then accomplished by shutting the mouth of those who foolishly accuse you. But there's a big warning that was found in 1 Peter chapter 2 as well. And that warning was this. Don't do evil in Jesus' name. We've got believers right now that are doing evil underneath the banner of Jesus' name. Take a look first at what the scripture said in verse 16. It says, for you're free, and you are free, by the way. You're free in Christ if you surrendered your life to him. You're free from the penalty and the death of sin and eternity with Christ forever. You are free, yet you are what? God's slaves. You don't get to cherry pick out of scripture what verses you like to fulfill and what you don't like to fulfill. You can't call yourself a Christian by cherry-picking scriptures. You can't call yourself a Christian by deciding that you're going to, you know, follow these things or those things. You can't call yourself a Christian, by the way, if you're asking God to join your agenda. Because that's no longer Christianity. Christianity is a Christ-follower we often like to ask God to, to jump on board of our agenda. Like, God, you got to shut the mouth of those people that are up there. you got to take those people out of position. God, you got to remove that person from, from that office. God, you need to shut the mouth of that particular authority. And we're, we're always asking God to join our agenda. And rarely are we ever going, God, how do I live an honorable life to join your agenda? It's rare that we're ever doing that. We are slaves to God. We don't get to call the shots. Our role is to honor him, serve him, and surrender to him. But he ended that scripture and he said, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. You know a sad commentary on uh, the protest that happened at the Capitol is that some people stormed the, the doors of that, of that Capitol and broke into the Capitol of our nation in Jesus' name? A complete violation of what Scripture just laid out for us. Now, some Christians were there in an attitude of honorable prayer, in honorable stance before God. Awesome. I want to say thank you to every single believer that was there with that kind of an attitude. Thank you for, thank you for standing up. Thank you for being there and being honorable you know, and uh, making, making that kind of stance for Jesus Christ. But there was a number of, of uh, believers, people that call themselves believers at least, that did evil in Jesus' name. And the danger with all of this is the danger is about Christianity in America um, is the intertwining that happens in our mind that is hard for us to delineate and separate is the intertwining of faith and religious freedom. It's part of the danger of Christianity in America is that we've intertwined faith in Jesus with a religious freedom we see our religious freedoms in our in our history we see religious freedom in America's founding and its constitution but Jesus wasn't given to us by a governmental system by the way our freedom in Christ was given to us by what Jesus did on the cross and through his death and his resurrection and there is no law that man can ever pass that could ever take that away from you So you can demand, and I don't mind demanding, our religious rights be maintained, but that is separate from my Christ-centered freedom. So we can demand that our religious freedom be maintained, but we can never do it in an attitude of violence in Jesus' name. Why is that? Because religious rights were never something promised to us by God. There's nowhere in Scripture that you'll ever find that God says to you that you deserve to have religious rights established by the government. Ever. There are believers all around this world, be- believers that have lived well before us, and if Jesus should tarry will come well beyond us, that live in corrupt countries, that have zero religious freedom, that have abandoned their hearts, surrendered completely to Jesus Christ and are living on mission for him. We, we get this thing intertwined And we think that our faith is somehow wrapped up with our religious freedom that we get through our government. And God never promised that we should have religious freedom. So when things in our nation don't go the way that we want them to, God hasn't also given us a license to respond violently in Jesus' name. But God has mandated to us that we live an honorable life. An honorable life. So do we just follow all human authority to the end right off the cliff? No. Do we honor them all the way to the end right off the cliff? No. So where is the line drawn in the sand then? Where is the line drawn in the sand where we we no longer honor human authority? Where, Where is that? Is it when my religious rights are taken away? Nope. Is it when someone gets put into office that I don't agree with? Nope. When is it? Thankfully, guess what? God's word spells that out for us. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? God's word spells it out and he goes, this is the line drawn in the sand where you, you bail from the honoring of the human authority and you maintain your honoring to me. Now listen, even during this season where we're honoring human authority, whose authority are we honoring first? Christ. It's, it's when, our faith in Jesus is attacked. Not a religious freedom. Faith in Jesus. There's a difference between those two, and you better get them separated really quick in your mind. Or otherwise, you're going down with the ship. Because religious freedom is going to continue to be attacked more and more and more and more. That's not when we rebel. That's not when you take, you take a different stance. That's not, that's not when. You, it's when our freedom... To have faith in Jesus Christ is attacked. It's when our faith in Jesus Christ is something that gets kiboshed. That's what you find in Acts chapter five, verse 29. Take a look at it. Here's the disciples, right? Peter and the apostle, they replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. God's word is not conflicting itself here. These guys were being told by their human authorities, I don't want you guys to ever preach Jesus again. I don't want you to see any conversions I don't want you proselytizing, I don't want you making disciples, I don't want you planting another life group, I don't want you planting another church, I don't want you doing any of that in Jesus' name, just let that all drift away. And they said to them at that point, that was the line in the sand, I'm sorry, but we can't cross that line. So our religious freedom will be attacked, okay, but we will never, we will never take up arms to fight for religious freedom. If I'm your leader, you're never going to hear me say that. We're never going to storm government buildings and threaten people's lives for our religious freedoms. You're not going to hear that from me, but I will be a guy who stays in front of you with God's word and keeps driving home the point that we will never back down from our faith in Jesus because that's the line in the sand. That's the line. We may not be able to worship in this building, but we will never back down from our faith in Jesus Christ. And in that regard, no matter what we face, right, no matter what the decision is, we will choose to obey God rather than rejecting God. And we will obey God no matter what the cost is to our own personal lives. That's what you saw with Peter and the apostles. When that line in the sand got drawn, they were like, nope, I'm sorry, doesn't matter what the cost is, it's going to happen to me or my family, okay, or other believers, we're not going to cross that line. You will not you, you cannot and you will not take away my freedom to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And guys, the strength that we will stand on when that day comes, and the Bible tells us that day will come, right? It may not be in my lifetime, it could be though, but the Bible, the Bible gives me understanding that it's going to come. The strength we stand on at that day is the same strength we will stand on now. And that's our hope in this one scripture found in Philippians chapter three, that we are what? Citizens of heaven. You're not, you're not first a citizen of this earth. You're not first a citizen of America. You are first a citizen of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. Amen? That's where we live. That's the hope you hang on to. Let that be the fueling source for you. So you may not like what I had to say today. And I would encourage you to go back to God's word and read it for yourself. And I would encourage you to go back and re-watch this message and let the spirit of it sink into you. You may not like it, but it's God's word. It may not be easy, but it's God's word. It may feel impossible, but it is God's word. And because it's God's word, that means God, God gives you the strength and the ability through his Holy Spirit to accomplish it. So I think the first act we should do right now in the Sunday before a transfer of power in our nation is going to happen is to pray for our nation and to pray for those leaders that are getting ready to come into power because that is an honorable life. Let's start right there. Join me in prayer. Father, I come before you in Jesus' name. And Lord, as our country goes through and has been going through a, just a season of turmoil, and as we get ready to see a moment of transfer of power, Lord, you, you call us not to rebel, you call us to live honorable lives. You call, us, you call us to join your agenda. We may not like your agenda. We, we may not approve of your agenda. We, we may be people that are going, I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. But God, it, that's really not our right. Well, we're, what you call us to do is to live honorable lives. And so Lord, as, as living an honorable life before you in this moment, Lord, we pray right now for the incoming administration. We pray for the Biden administration, and Lord, we ask that you would bless them. We ask that you would give them wisdom beyond their years. We ask that, Lord, you would put people around them that would speak biblical truth to them. Lord, we ask that in moments where decisions have to be made, that they may have come into that room, you know, attending to go one direction, but they go a whole different direction because the move of your spirit would take place. Lord, uh, we ask that, Lord, you would bless their families, Lord, we ask that you would protect them and keep them safe. We ask that you would give them wisdom and who they empower and put in positions of authority and leadership. Lord, we ask that as they create laws and mandates, that Lord they w- they would do so knowing that they are being held accountable to you. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would give us a heart to pray for and to bless even when we hear things we don't like. Lord, you would help us to live a life that's honorable as we go through this transition season. Lord, you would cause the church to shine brighter than it ever has before. And you would cause believers to shine brighter in this world than ever before as we live an honorable life. So protect our nation, God. Lord, first protect us from ourselves. And then protect us from sources outside. Use our nation, continue continue to use our nation to be a blessing to those who live in it. To be a blessing to those who are coming into it. And to be a blessing to those who live in other nations. Use our nation, Lord. Let our nation be a beacon of hope. Let our nation be, be a nation of full of people who are worshiping you, Jesus, who are seeking you, no matter what the laws say, that we're seeking you. And that from that, Lord, you would bless this nation, you would bless others. Lord, we ask you to do that, Lord. We ask that you would, you would go before us and you would prepare a way uh, for our nation, Lord, to find its way back to you. And when I say nation, I'm talking about its people, That Lord, we would find our way back to you. Heal heal this land, God. Heal our hearts. So, Lord, we surrender to you and we commit, we commit this transfer of power to you. And we ask that, Lord, we would join your agenda and not ask you to join ours. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, in light of all of this, what what is the big underlining statement? What's the big takeaway? What's the big application? And the big application if you want to live an honorable life is what Jesus would drive home for you and me. And he would say this, be the servant of all. That's the mandate. Be be a servant leader. And there's nobody better that made that example for us than Jesus did. Jesus is the one who established for us that, look, What I'm asking you to do is the opposite of what man wants you to do. I'm asking you to become the servant of all. And Jesus drove that home, especially when you see it in John 13. Take a look at what he did. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. This example I wanted to bring to you today because it really drives home some things that we we might wrestle with. First off, Jesus knew he was God. Jesus knew who he had come from, and he knew where he was going. Basically, Jesus was like this, look, I know, that, I know that I can do anything. I know that all authority has been given to me, and I know that no one can stop me, right? Then just like you and me, we might be free in Jesus' name, and we might, we might be praying in Jesus' name, knowing that by the littlest amount of faith, mountains can move. But Jesus said, I didn't use that authority. I used a servant leader authority, and I came and I ministered to those and I loved those who were underneath me and I lowered myself and I washed their feet and I modeled for them a blessing and I modeled them for, for them what it looked like to be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and I served them. And guys, that's what God's asking you and me to do in this season that we're going through is not to take up arms and to picket, right? And to go on social media and rant all the craziness that's out there. It's to become the servant leader, and to bless them and to model in this time frame. What does a Christian look like? Hope and faith in Jesus Christ and love and to serve others in Jesus' name. That's what we're called to do. And then Jesus goes on with servant leadership and he goes, let me give you this massive challenge. Take a look at what he says about servant leadership in Mark chapter 10. It says, so Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers in this world, they lorded over their people and officials and they, they flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. We might live in a time where leaders lorded over Leaders, you know, they, they, they uh, I don't know, they, they put stress on others. Uh, they create laws and they're going to change things and things will happen that are going to, that's going to restrict you and they're going to take away freedom or whatever. But Jesus says, look, you are different. Among you, it should be different. That's what Jesus was driving home. He goes, look, they might do it that way, but not you. They can do whatever they're going to do. They'll have to give account for their lives in front of me, just like you will. But you're different. Why? Because you're followers of Jesus Christ. So we lower ourselves. That's what the kingdom mindedness is. We lower ourselves and we serve others. We lower ourselves to the lowly position because that's what God values. And we model our faith in Jesus by the way we serve others serving them by maintaining our faith, by maintaining our peace, by maintaining our joy, by, by maintaining our faithfulness before God, by finding needs in others and meeting those needs. We serve others. We become lowly in this moment. That's how we love in Jesus' name. That's how we live an honorable life. So never forget the mandate. Never forget the mandate about, from Jesus. Uh, among you, it will be different. Among you, it should be different. The world should feel our difference. What? What and how? Through our servant leadership. That's how we live an honorable life. So guys, God's got you in his hand. God has this nation in his hand. God is in complete control. And so I challenge you and I call you, right? And I charge you to do your part. Serve the Lord faithfully and without anxiety and fear. Don't go off the rails, don't find yourself in political conversations where you're just slamming everyone else on the other side because you don't like them. Don't, don't come to that level with them. Lower yourself and be humble and serve others. I charge you to do that. Serve the Lord without anxiety and serve others with peace and joy in your heart and God will take care of the rest. He already promised to do that if we will live an honorable life. So guys, look, we do that because we are citizens of heaven, not citizens of this earth. So as we stand to worship God, let's remember that we're standing to worship our King and our Lord and our Master, the one that we are a citizen of. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray and worship. Lord, I pray for our church. And I thank you for this church. And I ask that, Lord, you would bless this church and you would bless the people that are in this church And you would use these folks that have heard this message today at all of our campuses, and even those who are worshiping with us online, and those who are listening to this message later on in the week, that you would bless them with an attitude that is one of peace, one of joy, one of confidence and security in you, Christ. That you would convict us to live honorable lives before you, so that you can do your work in silencing the voice of those who are our accusers. Would you teach us to pray for those that we have a hard time praying for? Would you teach us to love those who who think completely different than us? Would you teach us to have grace and mercy and forgiveness for those who are even wanting to attack our faith? And would you teach us to stand strong no matter what comes against us? That in the end, the world would look at this church and these people, and they would go, there's something, a diff- there's something different among you. I can't explain it. And then right at that moment, the Holy Spirit would whisper to, to each one of us, and he would say, because you're living an honorable life before God. Bless this church, and bless these people in Jesus' name. Fill them with the power of your spirit. Amen.